You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Harry thinks I can hear what he's saying. Uh, all right, welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle. You're listening to episode, I think, 334. I should have written that down somewhere. We're going to be talking about uh, genome editing and editing your DNA and designer babies and CRISPR and all kinds of cool stuff that... uh. Man, did I, I? It was like going back to seventh grade biology for me. So uh, we'll be we'll be right back here in just a moment on uh, this episode, recorded live with Harry on December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Warning: This show is for adults, produced by semi adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Well, it wouldn't be a show if we didn't start off with Harry bitching. Harry, how are you? Going good. Going good. This is episode 335. Thank you, uh, chat room. I should steal that from No Agenda, too, and call them the troll room. The troll room. Yeah. So if you're if you're a $10 a month patron and above, you get to watch the show live and participate in the chat. And thanks to Hody for telling me this is episode 335, of which Harry has bitched on 336 of them. 340. <laughs> There's so many more episodes that you did not record and put, put up there. <laughs> I did not hit the record button. I just checked. We are recording. That's good. That's uh, good. How are you today? Like I said, I'm going good. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff going on in my world. So, you know, I feel like I haven't seen you forever. So I just want to make sure you got a good grasp of, you know, everything that I've been through. <laughs> what have you been through? Please enlighten me. What? Like, first off. I had to go to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Okay. My job brought me there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the horrors. Uh, the real life Dwight Schrute takes Scranton. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> you, you, you calling yourself Tony Stark earlier. Yeah. I caught, I compared my, I was comparing the uh, wall crew to, um, members of the Avenger. So right. I had to crew, you know, Captain America's clearly Chris Spangle. Right. You know, you know, you know, white bread, white bread as they come. You know, and then I, of course, compared myself to Tony Stark. Thank you <laughs> right. very much. Thank you. You know, and then I compared, which is a accurate comparison. Everyone thinks so doesn't is the genius Doctor David Banner would have to be James Neese. Yeah, you I know? agree. So you go to Scranton. Yeah, yeah, you would be Captain America because that means the Winter Soldier would be Eric Ewert. Yeah, <laughs> yep. another white bread. Yeah, yeah, yep. he would be Tad. Yep. I think Tad would be Winter Soldier, wouldn't he? Winter, was Winter Soldier a bad guy? I saw that one, but I don't quite remember it. You know, it's pseudo bad guy, but thing. It, anyways, it gets complicated. Well, yeah, that's Tad. Tad is just right on the fence. You never know about him. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it smells like farts in here. Coffee smells like farts. It does not smell like farts in here. Do you ever notice that coffee no. smells like farts when you're making it? No, no. Best part of waking also, up I, is farts in Great idea for a show. Show idea is the tease episode where we just 
start the camera and just sit here for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everybody's complaining. Christy was, Why is this a joke? No. I'm just going to do a tea show. Uh, all right. So you, how was Scranton? Scranton was Scranton. I had to go to like the worst airport in the country, which was Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Worse I've, than Philly? Worse than Philadelphia. I don't Philadelphia that. at least had the Admirals room, which I could go into and got freaking trash in the in the Admirals Club, the American Airlines Admirals Club, the right. private club up there that you get. Right, Mister Tony Stark. Yes, yeah. we know. Mm, mm, mm. But Scranton did not have an Admirals Club. Some of the angriest people, and I have gone through so much airport security in so many different places, but Scranton had like the ones that just apparently had the time, right? I was the <laughs> only one in line to go through all my stuff. Right. Usually it's like, go on, go on, go on. And I had the TSA pre-check, okay? Okay. Which I have no idea how I got past T- on TSA pre-check. <laughs> Being on this show, absolutely not. Exactly. We've been known. We've been known to uh, cause thorough screenings. That's for sure. Yep. Very professional. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I, listen, I'm having some custard nog, some delicious custard nog. It's not keto. I'd have some. It's not, but it's very good. It's it's a little different than eggnog, but not much. It's it's tasty. It's really good. It really coats the throat. It's really good, especially with uh, uh, bourbon. Or, of course, most things are good with bourbon. Um, so, yeah, so I had to go through TSA security. They bypassed all my stuff, my shank, the power drill, right. my security bits. They didn't care about any of that. They they passed by my gigantic Yagi antennas. They just keep slit. They slid all that down. All the lithium ion batteries that I had don't even care. Pat passed even the wire cutters. Then they find what they was looking for in my freaking wallet. I had one of those stupid like card like tool things. Yeah, in my I've wallet. seen it. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it was like a card yeah. screwdriver thing. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. with a little tiny little nail blade on it, right? And that's what they confiscated for me. That's what they wanted. That is a tragedy. It was it was awful. And then like the guy was trying to be nice about it. Hey, do you got you know you want to mail it? I'll let you back up and mail because the airport was really small. I could literally took it, went out, put it in an envelope, and mailed it back to myself. But right. I'm not doing that. That thing was like a cheap stocking stuff. I can get a different one. Right. Like, and then he kept trying to explain it to me like, this is how you get one without a blade. I'm like, dude, I don't care, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to buy one with a blade. Why would I want? The only reason I don't want one with a blade is to go through you people. But I do forget, you know, I don't care. And how sharp is that even? It's not. It's not. Right. Barely goes through a nail. If it were dangerous, it would be. I have worse dangerous stuff in my bag. Of course. Like, I have a literal shank. <laughs> In my bag. Well, well, let's not mention that too loud on there. <laughs> Shank. Okay. Shank. All right. Well, so have you been through anything else? You you alluded to you've been through a lot. Let's see. Uh, well, I didn't even get it started with the freaking Scranton. Like, I went to the freaking bar. Like, one, my plane got delayed in Philadelphia, right? So I freaking missed that one. Then it had to route me. North it Carolina. sucks being stuck in Philly, doesn't it? I was stuck in Philadelphia because I missed my plane leaving Indianapolis, but it was okay being stuck in Philly. Like I said, I went to the Admirals Club. I got freaking trashed and ate free food. And, well, free <laughs> food if you remember the Admirals Club and get free booze all day, mm-hmm. you know, and great Wi-Fi. So I just sat there on the couch and got freaking drunk doing work. So it was okay. Philadelphia was fine. Scranton didn't have the Admirals Club. And when you went to their bar, they had the angriest bartender I have ever met. <laughs> You know, okay. it had like, and I took like, and I had to get the members of my the people in my uh, the team that flew with me to pay because I told him I'm not tipping her. 
<laughs> she's you know no there was no booze in my in, in my drink i could barely i couldn't <laughs> tell you, her i, said, I got Good a day, bl- sir i got a bloody mary because i was hung over from going to the college bar the night before i wanted a freaking bloody mary with vodka in it and i didn't have any vodka it was vodka in my straw and I, I know that like, trick and she was angry about it everyone was angry except that one guy at the tsa security was it was he at least polite and delightful? He was very polite, but I didn't want him to be polite because he was annoying. He was in my way. <laughs> he was you know? getting on your nerves. He was on my nerves, but he was the only nice guy. You know, even the person through the airlines that was checking us out on America Airlines was freaking angry with with everybody and, and, and didn't have time for that. Then we get on the plane and they didn't have time for anything. Did you, did you shout? Ain't nobody got time for that. I know. Yeah, I ain't got nobody time. I should have. <laughs> I really should have. You know. But it's okay. I, uh, you know, like I said, for my carry-on bag, like uh, I like to fill out my uh, liquid bag with nothing but booze. It's easier. It's more fun that way. You know, I recommend it. You know, putting anything else on it is is goofy and and and, and dumb. So just pack it full of booze. All right. Well, hopefully now it sounds a little better on the uh, YouTube there. Uh, all right, Harry. Uh, let's uh, enough of that. <laughs> I know you've been put upon, and I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you made it through Philly. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Then I pay three grand to get my freaking bun bun back from the from the mechanics. Oh, your car? Yes. Okay, sorry, I didn't know what that meant. Bun bun. <laughs> a Subaru name is Bun Bun. All right. And it uh, got she, she was broken. Yeah, you you missed. People keep thinking I fire you, but no, your car all literally all of your cars crapped out at the same time. Correct. Yeah, I have three cars, all of them broken, all of them broken at the exact same time. Oops. So I <laughs> my fault. I got Bun Bun back. It cost me three thousand to get it, her fixed up. She's perfect now. I love her. She's the best best Subaru. Yeah. <laughs> all the people are saying it. Yeah, all the people keep saying it. They, everyone says it. I have the best. Okay. You know. All right. Well, Harry, what? I got to stop you there. <laughs> Too much intimacy. Destroyer class. A- oh my goodness! What are you spraying on the waifu? Protector. This thing. <laughs> See, it's one of those old school like shooter, like rail shooters. Isn't it cool? How did you get waifu? <laughs> Where did you get this game? Um, the um. Game shop. I'm sorry. Play it one hand. It's really hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, here he plays his waifu game. Let me tell you about becoming a patron of We Are Libertarians. You can support us like you support your waifus and your Snapchat babes and all of your incel friends. Uh, I don't know, the waifus incels? I'm not sure what any of this means. Uh, (laughs) But I am sure that We Are Libertarians is a great show that makes you sound smarter with your friends. We are dedicated to bringing you the uh, current events of the day, libertarian solutions uh, to the issues that your friends and family are talking about. We're going to help you sound smarter with your friend. Oh, congratulations, you cleared the waifu. Uh, Oh, look at... The graphics on this are just not right. Uh, So become a Patreon member now. Become a citizen at $5 a month and get our bonus content, CD quality, and commercial-free shows before anyone else. (laughs) You can listen to some of these uh, daily shows weeks in advance. At $10, Nobility gets access to the exclusive Facebook group and a notification to join the live stream and chat with us during the show. Members of the Royal Court at $25 get a poster and free shipping in the New Area Libertarian store. And you can also join the Emperor's Circle at $100 a month, and you get to sit in as a co-host. 
at some point. You get private access to me, and you get to join uh, any of our strategy calls or our editorial meetings. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to support us. This is the number one way to help the show, so join now at wearelibertarians.com or patreon.com slash wearelibertarians. Harry, how's the waifu game going? Going great. All right, right now I'm editing the photos. Wow. Uh, I now know too much about Harry's likes and dislikes of waifus. That is an interesting curve you've got there. Oh, my. Harry. All right, let's get back to the show. I just got an amazing email from the Lions of Liberty. You know our friends over at the Lions of Liberty? Yes. So we were just about to talk to this, but I just looked at the Patreon while while you were talking, and I was fixing some stuff here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so some of our listeners may be aware and some may not. Do you know who Sargon of Akkad is? Yes. Okay. Yes, Could, would you, can you explain to the audience who he might be? Sargon of Akkad is a YouTube talking head. He likes to uh, talk about different topics um, and on YouTube. Mostly he talks about very controversial topics. He has a pleasant British voice. Yes. 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 Very pleasant Unlike British us. Voice. Uh, he... And he had, most of the time, he has a very well-thought-out argument. Correct. But he said something that he shouldn't have on a podcast somewhere, and he was removed from Patreon. And so... What word? Let me have you read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what he said. I wish that Patreon, in an email that they sent out about this, because... Jordan Peterson said he lost a thousand Patreon members because of it. Uh, Dave Rubin said he lost five thousand a month. We've lost five patrons from it, and I know that some people want me to address it because we are a Patreon platformed uh, group. And uh, you know, Mark just kind of hit the nail on the head, and so I'll tell you what he said in a moment. Uh, but this is so Sargon said this. He was on another podcast on another YouTube channel. And he said, quote, I just can't be bothered with people who choose to treat me like this. It is really annoying. Now, he's talking about the alt-right, yeah, of which he says he's not a part of. And they hate him. Right. Like, I, you're acting like a bunch of ends, just so you know. You act like white ends, exactly how you describe black people acting is the impression I get dealing with the alt-right. I'm really, I just, I'm not in the mood to deal with this kind of disrespect. Look, you carry on, but don't expect me to have a debate with one of your F-words that ends in gots. Like, why would I bother? Maybe you're just acting like an N, mate. Have you ever considered that? Do you think white people act like this? White people aren't meant to be polite and respectful to one another, and you guys can't even act like white people. It's really amazing to me. Uh, They said, some people worry that we are reviewing content not posted on Patreon. As a funding platform, we don't host much content, but we help fund creations across the internet. Uh, As a result, we review creations posted on other platforms that are funded through Patreon. Sargon is well known for his collaborations, and so we apply our community guidelines to those collaborations, including this interview. Um, They go on to say that their community guidelines... (laughs) <laughs> yes. No, that's Naggers, Randy. <laughs> that was... <laughs> I've never laughed harder than I laughed at that. Um, so their community guidelines say, hate quote, hate speech includes serious attacks or even negative generalizations of peace, people based on the race and sexual orientation. We also say, quote, when reviewing an account for potential hate speech violation, we consider some of the following questions. 
Is the creator using racial slurs or negative depictions of a protected class? Which I take exception with the concept of a of a created class or a protected class. Harry is much <laughs> protected class. He is a, he protects himself, but this is this is their rules, um, and we are on their platform and we play by their rules. Now, you know I'm a free speech absolutist, and I have. Uh, more than anybody, I think in the libertarian movement from the beginning made the case that we gotta we gotta rally around people when this happens. We the deplatforming is wrong. Stand up for Al- even Alex Jones because once these folks start, you know, going down this road, it's impossible to to, to happen. I stood up for Austin Peterson. He gave me a shout out on his podcast, uh, the Freedom Report, um, with Austin Peterson, and. You know, he's like, when I was running for office and they removed me earlier this year, three days before the election, Spangle was one of the few people who said this isn't right and wasn't just making the property rights argument, but also saying this is this is going to be a trend. We need to watch it. Um, So, you know, thanks to thanks to Austin for uh, the love and promoting the show. So I am. Uh, a free speech absolutist, and I am absolutely against these companies getting into censoring political speech. I think this is different, and I don't think that this is the hill to die on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, there, there is still. You should not go to jail for shouting cra- fire in a crowded theater. Okay? okay, but if people get hurt because you erroneously yell fire in a crowded theater, you're liable you're responsible for their medical bills or anything that happens to them for lost ticket admissions. You, you owe everybody a movie ticket for the movie you ruined Mm -hmm. the theater owner for the popcorn revenue that they didn't get the damage that might've happened to the theater. You carry responsibility for what you say. There are consequences to what you say. And what's the real reason why you're responsible for it? What's the real reason? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, uh, fraud. You right. defrauded people. You could you shouted something that was fraudulent. That was in, in lot. And it's that a was call a to action right. in in encouraging people to move and do something and ruin things. So you're being fraudulent. So you're a lot. You know, you're right? Being fraudulent and of the call to action. So that what's what's the problem? The speech saying the word fire is not the issue. Right. It's the fraudulent action and the call to action. And with a word like this, with with both of these words, he's not using the word. You know, he's not using it like um. Like there was a race car driver here who said this 35 years ago because he didn't understand the cultural relevance. Sargon's clever enough to know the cultural impact of this word. There is a long-standing tradition of people losing their jobs or losing associations with people through freedom of association because of the use of this word because you're not a member of that group. You're on the out group. You're not in the in group. Uh, Harry can say that word. I can't. That's just the way it is. Sorry. You may not like the world to be built that way but that's just how it is um sargon was not removed because he said a political opinion that they did not like he was removed because they don't want to associate with him anymore and i'm sorry that's a completely valid reason for patreon not to want to associate with this person uh if he were removed for having a long intellectual discussion about the word then maybe I might consider it differently, but I don't. That's the thing. In some of the um, videos that he's done, he's 
said the word before right but he's not said it like this as being like a being disparaging he like described it or stuff like that he yeah. brought the word up in topic this was purposely comparing these people saying white culture is better than black culture and you're acting like black culture like he's he's violating their very clear terms um right. i'm sure that if you go back i know of one specific instance where one person said that on this show and i bleeped it because i just don't want to be associated with that word or that, you know, and that person was not using it in the way that even Sargon used it. He was using it as like in a, a quoting someone else, right? Correct, yes. You know, and so that's not even the case here. Fair, yeah. So um, we've lost five patrons because of this, and that bums me out that people didn't, uh, you know, very few of them actually said anything or said, hey, can I do this a different way? I totally understand if people don't want to associate with a platform and you know i value the support that we have of our creators and i think that's a lot of what uh what uh, mark said to his supporters at lions of liberty um you know milo and carl benjamin aka sargon uh for being removed for speech related reasons um, we have no reason to believe that Lions of Liberty to be in any danger of such removal. We do understand the concerns that many people have in remaining on Patreon. Uh, like him, we're not on the radar at this point. We'll someday be a victim of our success, I believe. But right now, we're not in any danger. Uh, in reality, a boycott of Patreon will most assuredly hurt creators like Lions of Liberty far more than it will hurt Patreon. Mm -hmm. As a very small podcast, luckily with a very fierce and loyal following, Patreon has been an absolutely vital tool for the growth of our podcast. In fact, we confidently say we would not have the podcast operating today without the financial support of our amazing Liberty-loving fans. While some like Sam Harris, who announced his deletion of his Patreon account, has a large enough following and the resources to create his own platform, shows like ours do not have the same luxury to make such a drastic shift. In fact, doing so would likely see the abrupt end of our ability to continue the Lions of Liberty podcast. And he's exactly right, and we're in the exact same boat. We don't have the luxury of just, you know, losing a thousand subscribers. We only have 130. We don't have the ability to lose five thousand dollars in revenue like Dave Rubin and be okay. We we bring in around fifteen hundred, and every dollar is going towards some other aspect of the growth or the operation of We Are Libertarians. Uh, it is vital that you continue to support the program financially. Or else I have to start going through and cutting services and doing things differently. In 2019, um, we've got a dinner on January 5th with a, a group of people here in town. We've got several different meetings over the break, which I'll talk about later. Uh, we're really going to work hard in 2019 on bringing about a lot of the things that we talk about here on the show and encouraging you to get active in your local community and giving you the resources to do that. I can only do that stuff if I have the revenue, the cash flow to help people print stuff or to fund new shows or to do certain things. So, um, you know, for instance, I'd like to, to buy a few mics, USB mics for some of our wall daily hosts, because I don't think some of them sound as, as, uh, up to snuff as I think our sh our sound should be, you know that's seventy dollars a pop. So uh, that that's either going to be bought with Patreon money or people are going to donate it at the Amazon wish list at WeAreLibertarians.com. And uh, thank you to whomever sent an SD card. By the way, there wasn't a note, but I did receive it. And if you are listening, I want you to know that I appreciate your uh, contribution uh, in equipment. 
so we're just not in a position where um we're we're leaving patreon and i don't feel that uh this is the hill to die on because i i think there has when you when you are a, a person who has these beliefs and espouses these beliefs you can't say everything is permissible like there has to be at some point where you do draw a line like otherwise you're just ever like i don't like gab because gab is openly racist like if you go on gab it's a community of racists therefore i don't want to associate with it i don't want to use it um and so for whatever reason these free speech platforms just sometimes devolve into very grotesque groups of people and i'm i'm a bit disappointed in people like dave rubin and jordan peterson and uh and the so-called intellectual dark web for not saying please explain yourself sargon <laughs> like there has to come a time when you go Okay, but this is inappropriate. So what right. did you mean here? Is it I I don't think that there is a white person alive who hasn't at some time said that word. Uh I just I think that uh you know probably goes for black people and Asians and Hispanics too, but the the reality of the world is that uh some people have said it. Most people have said it. Some people say it very frequently because racism is in their heart. Um you know, so is it is it a one time slip up with Sargon, or is this just like what what was his point here? Was he really trying to say that uh, you're acting like a lower class of people, and those happen to be the race of blacks? Like, what's the point here, Sargon? Explain yourself, correct? Because then, once you get a good explanation, then I'll defend you. You know, defending Alex Jones, I don't defend his Sandy Hook comments or some of the other things that he said, but the guy didn't violate their terms of service. The guy didn't get removed for specific things. There, you know, I, it's, there has to be some nuance to this. Correct. And this is Patreon going out of the way. They're just like, no, they weren't being vague about it. They're just like, no, no, we, why'd you buy it? Ah, you know, our terms. And it just said terms. It's, that's exactly. When I, when I talked to Spreaker about Alex Jones, because I was thinking of switching to their service, and I didn't end up giving them $125 a month mm-hmm. of my business, because their reply was he violated our hate speech laws. Okay, well, what are your what are your policies? I want to make sure I don't violate them. What what did he say? Well, we can't we can't give that to you. Okay, well then you're full of crap. Right. Yeah. This Patreon did not do that. They were somewhat transparent here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is almost refreshing. <laughs> and considering that in the past they have you know protected Carl Benjamin, they're like, no, he hasn't violated us because people have gone after him in the past. So it's yeah. not like this is like, oh, look at what Patreon's doing. No, they're actually harsher to sex workers. So calm your collective fedora tits. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it I, I'm staying with Patreon if uh, the the Dave Rubens of the world, like, here, let me play the uh, clip. This is a Peterson and Rubin kind of FaceTime or whatever, where they're talking about this. And listen to what Dave, and Ru- Dave Rubin says in light of everything that I just told you about today. Yeah, well, first, I think we should just make it very clear for everybody how significant what happened to Carl Benjamin Sargon of Akkad is. It doesn't matter what you think of him or whether you agree with him or, or any of that stuff. The banning of him for doing something that was not on the Patreon platform, that wasn't even done on his channel because of a word he said where he was using the word against the uh, the alt-right or the neo-Nazis or whatever you want to call them, is a massive 
move of that line of what's acceptable. Now, there's all sorts of debates we can have, and we've had them, of what lines should... I feel like Dave Rubin is not being very honest there, to be quite honest. And I feel that sometimes Rubin does this where he's trying to promote. He's a great promoter and obviously has built a great brand Mm -hmm. and provides a lot of great information. But in this particular instance, I don't feel he's being very honest. And I think sometimes these guys have painted themselves into a corner where it's near impossible to look at your audience of tens of thousands of people and say, I know you're upset, but you, you shouldn't be upset here. This is not a this is not a situation where we need to freak out because Sargon, please explain yourself. I, I think that takes a lot of balls to do that, and I wish that he had done that because I don't feel that this is a massive move by Patreon. I feel that this was I I, I don't like that they're let's be honest, somebody out there was waiting for Sargon to mess up, they tipped off Patreon, and Patreon removed them. Or they removed Milo, and then they get a bunch of emails from organizations or organized groups of leftists going, why didn't you ban this guy? That can happen to any one of us. On the on the uh, right side of the spectrum, of, of which I include libertarians. Um, so I'm not crazy about that, and that's not right. But that also doesn't mean that we have to stick up for every person's uh, violations. I just think that Patreon choosing to not associate with him over this is is a consequence of his his language, and it, they have every right to do it. They're not censoring him. They're and they're not removing his f- right to unpopular speech. It's not what this is about. This was not a person making a forceful argument through. Uh, rational thought. This was a person using racism as an emotional appeal. And I'm not going to say that that's the entirety of the guy's work, but when they cite that as the reason that they removed him, it seems like a perfectly valid reason to me. Yeah. And saying that, like, well, it didn't happen on the platform. I was like, well, that's the same, like, like the NFL. It's it's shady. There's no doubt it's shady. I get that. But the same thing is like, what if, you know, someone on the platform was convicted of, like, you know, domestic violence and you want to kick him off for that reason? It's like, yeah, that didn't happen on the platform. That happened, but do you have the re- you have the ability to kick them off? Right, I think so. I'm, I'm sorry, you know it's when it comes down to it. Yeah, it's their platform, but like it's something he was speaking. He said this. It's well, they have a, a, it goes back to the property rights argument, and and it goes back to them having the right to have people on their platform and associate with who they want or don't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of those instances where it's like. Uh, it's I, I get it like I don't want them to be editors I don't want them to just kowtow to the basically the extortion tactics of the far left but in this case it's like that's not what's happening here and the conspiracy theorist in me right new believes and still thinks this is a calculated move from Carl uh yeah so, i mean because Carl- this has happened to him before on other podcasts right. or watched happen to other people on other podcasts of say things and help germ up things right when things are getting s- slow and stale or if the news cycle isn't talking about you or anything that you right. can really talk about i mean from the very beginning of social media you're not allowed to do certain things on those platforms it's the reason that the censorship has outraged me over the last few months is that they're now changing their business model to become editors of political speech. That's not their job. Their job is to be a utility. They have always censored for abusive behavior, sexual behavior, or the, the idea of building a community. It's a very, it's, a, it's an art in a lot of ways. 
And it is. It's like, Gab, if you encourage a certain group of people to come on, then you end up with a certain kind. And you can't blame people for not wanting to host a website for for racist. And I'm not saying Sargon's a racist. I don't know the guy. Um, I have watched his videos, and I have always found him to be an interesting perspective. Um, but And I have not, in general, I, he's, one of the, he's one of the people that, honestly, when I watch this, these, the, the, uh, far right the new right i guess you'd call it when i watch their videos he's the one that i've always never really understood why he got in trouble because his videos always seem to be the most milk toast and like you watch a milo video you're like yeah i get it <laughs> or gavin mckinnis you're like yeah that was just not good i wouldn't say that out loud but uh uh you know but this like man there's consequences i don't say that word you know i, I i'm not gonna say that i've never not said that word of course i have you know, mm-hmm. there and it has always been used to and I and it is regrettable behavior on my part trying to make a friend laugh, right. you know, and I'm just like, I will never use that again. I feel dirty saying it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it, uh, you know, and so there is no doubt that uh, everybody has times in their life where they say things that they regret and that is not who they are as a person. Um, but. uh you know, one bad instance is not a person's total career. And that's part of the problem right now is that we're taking one bad instance and making it the totality of the person. And that's just stupid. That's right. just not true. But here's a guy who use, uses the N word. He used it intentionally. He didn't sit there and go, maybe I shouldn't have done that. He then doubled down with the F word. He, he, he was inflaming intentionally. And what do you expect these people to do? Like, be a little careful. <laughs> I don't know, Harry. I just, I'm sure I'll get hate mail for this, but I feel there has to be some balance here. Like, you have to say to these platforms, no, don't edit political speech. Don't remove opinions you don't like. But I also understand when you don't want to associate with people you don't find to be of character. Correct. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, it, it's just, it is. In the past, right, when Patreon has, like, you know, even, like, defended and came up, he said, like, I started thinking, like, remembering, like, they said, like, well, he hasn't broken our terms of service yet. You know, he hasn't, right. he hasn't broken them, you know, and they would go through his catalog and do something like this in the past. So he has to know, like, he had, he had to know that he was on their radar. People yeah. had to been gunning for him. And the alt right don't like you. The SJWs don't like him either. Right. So you just serve them up everything they wanted you know and it can't be like it doesn't understand it's the same way i think you even talked about it like some of the radio guys are scared to do podcasts because they don't want their words stitched together and make it sound like they were swearing or doing a thing that was on it yeah some there has been some instances in radio where a radio personality will launch a podcast they'll get edgy on it say some bad words and then their competition mm-hmm. will edit that into the what it sounds like the radio show and then they lose sponsors they you know yeah. So you have to be really careful that like there it, bad actors exist everywhere in every industry. And mm-hmm. I think for these guys who, you know, for we are libertarians, for Lions of Liberty, for Johnny Rocket and uh, Launchpad Media and Lava Flow, like Patreon's kind of our only source of income because we're at a point in our growth where we're blessed to have so many people supporting us through one channel. But we're not big enough yet to where we're bringing in a bunch on speaking fees and t-shirts and Mm -hmm. 
web traffic ads and you yeah, know like and books right so a sargon or a dave rubin i int- i think ben shapiro intentionally with some trans tweets about three or four weeks ago he was daring twitter to ban him because if he got deplatformed from twitter he'd be an icon right. <laughs> he would be the icon of a movement like uh you know he doesn't need twitter uh, I don't need Twitter. I don't need Facebook. I have this. I have my ability to connect to your ears. And God forbid my platform ever deplatformed us because the company that we host through, I could go to a different host, hopefully, or host through my website. Right. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the financial model of these shows, guys in our bracket, you know, there's very few guys in the libertarian podcasting space like Tom Woods or Jason Stapleton, which I think Jason's partly in the space now. I uh, we'll, we'll talk kind of about Jason. Still. we'll talk about Jason some other time because sometimes I think he didn't get a fair shake. But uh, yeah. um, the the reality is that the Patreon funding is how you hear this show. Uh, I'm in the process of removing uh, moving hosts, for instance. You know, our hosting bill has been 150 a month. Uh, our or $75 a month for podcast host, $100 a month for the radio stream and the mobile apps. Uh, you know, probably a couple hundred for news stuff. Like it just, there's a lot of that stuff that you you start to pare down mm-hmm. if the Patreon goes down. Like that's, we'll just do less. Yeah. So if that's what you guys want, <laughs> then we can do that. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm understanding. I'm and I don't know that all five of those people left because of Patreon, but we've been very very consistent in not losing people on our Patreon. Like we have been really good. And then all of a sudden, could be Christmas, but none of the none of the folks said it was financial. It was just I'm out. <laughs> so uh, I would say if you if you do have a moral uh, problem with being on Patreon, if you don't agree with me, but you still want to support the show. There's different ways to support the show. There's, uh, you know, PayPal, which isn't much better. There's ways to do it on PayPal. It's wearelibertarians.com/support, where the website's currently down, but um, should be back up tomorrow. But you know, even down to sending checks or whatever, or Bitcoin or Dashcoin. There's a bunch of different ways that you can support the show financially uh if if you're not a if you're a patron and you don't want to do it anymore but those are my thoughts on it uh a couple people have asked and i know there are people curious because we are free speech absolutists that uh, use patreon and i don't want them to go down this road (laughs) like (laughs) i i feel this way about all these companies it's like i enjoy your product patreon uh is the best out there at what they do for what they do there's a reason that i chose it after an extensive search um, going to my own membership group within the WordPress site would be very costly and time consuming, you know, and Patreon made it so much quicker and easier and uh, does a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I, I do enjoy their product. I think it is a good product, but stay a product. Don't become editors <laughs> is what I'd like to say. And I don't think that we're in any danger. We're a very moderate group, but at the end of the day, you know, it only takes one meme or one instance of something, you right. know. Yeah. So I just try to live in a way that um, I'm, I'm very forthright and honest with you and with the listeners and try to live my way to a very, I have a live a very safe life, Harry. I don't do anything. You can't get in trouble if you don't do anything, right? Yeah, true, you know, but 
I say, I say, I throw caution in the wing and get blacked out drunk at anyway still. In the airport and start screaming, do you know who I am? Yeah, do you know who I am? <laughs> I am Harry Price of We Are Libertarians. I'm like, what yeah. is that? Yeah, you know who I am. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. All right, Harry, let's talk about CRISPR and uh, genome editing. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I have studied a lot for this because I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Okay, when I heard CRISPR, like most of our audience... I thought of, you know, a crisper drawer, some cabbage. Uh, I had heard something about it. I thought it was something where you, like, got in one of those... I've done this before, where you get in, like, the freezer. Okay. And they turn on the, the... they take the room down to like negative 180 or something, some crazy low temperature, and it like freezes all your bad cells or something. Oh, the um, uh, what is that? That cryogenic <sighs> room? Yes, thingy. cryogenic chamber. I've done that before. Uh, so I thought it was something along those lines, maybe freezing heads. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know really much about CRISPR. I mean, uh, so I sent you a message at some point. I said, man, I hope you know a lot about this <laughs> um, because I don't. Uh, so CRISPR, uh, how much do you know about it? I mean, well, have you followed it? This seems like the sort of thing that you'd be into. Strangely enough, I, I kind of am. Um, this is not my science jam, but I dabble. Like when I, d- I don't even dabble. I kind of like poke my head into Oops, sorry. I was setting up the uh, the video here. I thought I was getting a burrito. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's something like I just kind of like poke my head into it and like wondering like that's pretty cool. I think the first time I ever heard it was like when I won on Ernest Hancock show and he just raves about the CRISPR systems. Really? Yeah, that's the first time I ever heard about it back in 2016. Mm-hmm. It was really invented in like 2015. Yeah. I and mean, it's, okay. it's fairly new. So the McGovern Institute for Brain Research at MIT put together, I watched like a hundred YouTube videos or something crazy, uh, trying to figure this out. Cause I read that I read our great show notes by Sam Schultz. And, uh, I was like, I am more confused and I have a lot of gaps to fill in. And YouTube, I mean, I, that's why I hate to see these companies go this route because YouTube is like the greatest invention in human knowledge since the printing press or language itself. Yeah. Like you can learn how to do anything on it. I've learned how to do everything. Like we are libertarians is built on YouTube. Like, Oh, how do I transfer a domain? (laughs) How do I do this? I mean, how do I fix a car? It's just amazing. Like all the way to how do I split my genome? Mm -hmm. How do I displace DNA? Oh yeah. I've, you know, I YouTube videos. If you if you have a very good monkey see monkey do part of your brain still in school right. hasn't destroyed it, YouTube's in that you know it's valuable to you. Yeah, you know? I, and I'm very much that way. I'm a visual and audio learner. Yeah, like I went to um, we had an older gentleman at uh, tech at our company, and he was asking me how to do something, and I didn't have time to sit there and show him how to do this thing on the network. So I sent him a YouTube video. <laughs> I <was laughs> yeah, like, I do that all the time. Press play. 
Uh, sure I got to do it. I'm out. My 13 year old cousin that uh, I'm slowly converting to an anarchist. Mm-hmm. He, I'm always like, he's always like, how do you do this? I'm like, here's a Tom Woods video. Watch this. You should watch this. I'm done. Okay. All right. So here we go. This this does a better succinct job. We're going to explain it a couple different ways, a couple different times, because I think it's confusing for people. So let's start with some experts, and then we'll kind of get into Harry and I getting into the weeds a little bit. The copy of our gene. Every cell in our body contains a copy of our genome, over 20,000 genes, 3 billion letters of DNA. DNA consists of two strands twisted into a double helix and held together by a simple pairing rule. A pairs with T and G pairs with C. Our genes shape who we are as individuals and as a species. Genes also have profound effects on health, and thanks to advances in DNA sequencing, researchers have identified thousands of genes that affect our risk of disease. To understand how genes work, researchers need ways to control them. Changing genes in living cells is not easy. But recently, a new method has been developed that promises to dramatically improve our ability to edit the DNA of any species, including humans. The CRISPR method is based on a natural system used by bacteria to protect themselves from infection by viruses. When the bacterium detects the presence of virus DNA, it produces two types of short RNA one of which contains a sequence that matches that of the invading virus. These two RNAs form a complex with a protein called Cas9. Cas9 is a nuclease, a type of enzyme that can cut DNA. When the matching sequence, known as a guide RNA, finds its target within the viral genome, the Cas9 cuts the target DNA, disabling the virus. Over the past few years, Researchers studying the system realized that it could be engineered to cut not just viral DNA, but any DNA sequence at a precisely chosen location by changing the guide RNA to match the target. And this can be done not just in a test tube, but also within the nucleus of a living cell. Once inside the nucleus, the resulting complex will lock onto a short sequence known as the PAM. The Cas9 will unzip the DNA and match it to its target RNA. If the match is complete, the Cas9 will use two tiny molecular scissors to cut the DNA. When this happens, the cell tries to repair the cut, but the repair process is error-prone, leading to mutations that can disable the gene, allowing researchers to understand its function. These mutations are random, but sometimes researchers need to be more precise, for example by replacing a mutant gene with a healthy copy. This can be done by adding another piece of DNA that carries the desired sequence. Once the CRISPR system has made a cut, this DNA template can pair up with the cut ends, recombining and replacing the original sequence with the new version. All this can be done in cultured cells, including stem cells, that can give rise to many different cell types. It can also be done in a fertilized egg, allowing the creation of transgenic animals with targeted mutations. And unlike previous methods, CRISPR can be used to target many genes at once, 
a big advantage for studying complex human diseases that are caused not by a single mutation, but by many genes acting together. These methods are being improved rapidly and will have many applications in basic research, in drug development, in agriculture, and perhaps eventually for treating human patients with genetic disease. All right, so that's the McGovern Institute for Brain Research at MIT. Feng Zhang was your narrator. Um, so I, I hope that kind of helped. I know that that's you know, not the most exciting thing in the world, but I think sometimes when I'm learning this stuff, what I really need to do is is like have waves come kind of, and every time a wave goes over me, I I learn a little bit more. So I wanted to set the template from MIT because we are libertarians is not known for its science. Uh, we're more of a history politics type show than <laughs> history and poli- huh? Not that science. Not that well. Yeah, more history, uh, more the humanities uh, over here at uh, We Are Libertarians. Engineering science, maybe. But this has once we kind of explain the technology a little bit, this has huge implications for our species for. Our health. You're going to hear so much about this, and so few libertarian outlets. Uh, like Ronald Bailey at Reason is like the only guy that I can really find that is talking about this stuff. Glad to hear Ernie Hancock has talked about it because I think it's something that we're going to hear a lot about. We heard about it when there was uh, twins born in China this past week, which we'll explain what happened there in a moment. Um, but you know, Harry, this has huge, huge implications when you can get in and change the DNA. Remove the bad stuff and put in the good stuff, uh, in very very simplistic terms. I mean, it's it's. Uh, a re- I I just was watching this going. I can't believe I'm the same species as the person who can think and do this. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Uh, one for the simple fact that I'm going to get the dystopian future that I want. <laughs> we got Space Force, so I'm that close to getting my Gundam <laughs> with CRISPR, that close to getting new types, so I got all these people whose souls aren't weighed down by gravity with these old types. It's going to be I'm gonna get the <laughs> new types. I want. Yeah, so long story short, so what is gene genome editing? Go explain right. old type. Old type, yes. You're a new type already? Yes. You've already had, you already CRISPR'd yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So genome editing is a group of technologies that where basically they go into the cell, the DNA of a cell or an organism, and they can use an enzyme to cut the DNA at a specific sequence. So DNA is made up of, what, four letters, and the, the letters match up, and then they go in and they rearrange and change the letters with this, with this enzyme, and then when it repairs the cell, it edits, it edits that DNA sequence and changes something. So in China, for instance, the uh, the experiment that just took place in the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. it was an HIV positive father and an HIV negative mother, and they went into the segment of DNA that is HIV resistant and changed it so the babies allegedly are HIV, they, they cannot get HIV no matter what. Correct. Okay, allegedly. Now, allegedly. So there's a lot of, as we'll see, mystery around this Chinese stuff. So it allows genetic material to be added, removed, or altered at particular locations in the genome. And by editing the genome, the characteristics of a cell or an organism can be changed. In one video I saw, these black mice were turned into uh, mice that had no color. They were white mice. It was amazing. So um, 
All right. I would like to. I would like. I would like to change my cat so it doesn't come and bother me in the middle of a fucking podcast. You <laughs> asshole. It's God. Hit the button. It's awesome. <sighs> like deliberate. Like del- terrorist. It's just terrorist runs and explodes right all over everything. Get out of here. Go. Get. She just looked at me. She doesn't care. <laughs> so the, knew exactly what she was doing, too. She did, yes. She's a dick. Uh, mittens is... Uh, listen, I'm going to rearrange your DNA, and I'm going to turn you into a dog. Uh, there are two different categories of gene therapies. So there is germline therapy. This changes the DNA in reproductive cells, sperm and eggs. Uh, changes to the... D- I have sperm. Harry has sperm. Women have eggs, mm-hmm. for those of you who weren't aware. Um, changes to the DNA of reproductive cells are passed down from generation to generation. So in the germline, it is a permanent lineage change. So the lineage that was passed down from Harry's parents to him, that's germline. Then there's somatic therapy, which is treatments targeted to non-reproductive cells that are specifically developed, like a lung cell. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the changes can be, the changes made only affect the person who receives the treatment. So that's the brief overview of what genome editing is. Did I get that right? Does that sound right? Sounds yeah, close enough. All right. Any anything else you'd like to add? No, no, no. Okay. Keep going. All right, so this isn't the CRISPR is not, this is not a new technology, Harry. This is just a better technology. Correct. So it's like you have the wagon wheel, um, not just a popular country song, but also an actual thing in history, the wagon wheel, and mm-hmm. then eventually rubber gets put on it, and then you yeah. have a tire, and then you have radials, and then you have you know what what we have today, which I've bought many this year. Uh, <laughs> so. The earliest method of gene editing was homologous recombination, and this was developed in the late 70s when scientists observed that yeast, like other organisms, can carry out homologous recombination naturally. So it, it's basically the exchange, the recombination, of genetic information between two similar strands of DNA, the homologous part. Mm-hmm. And this method is limited by the fact that it is very inefficient and it can have low, like one in a million probability that this is actually going to work and it has a high rate of error. So it just isn't very popular in use. So then in the 90s, uh, they started using zinc finger nucleuses, ZFN, to improve the specificity of genome editing. So the structures of ZFNs are engineered from naturally occurring proteins, and the, these proteins bind to specific DNA sequences in the genome and cut DNA. So it cuts the strand of DNA. You know, the double helix that you see, mm-hmm. you know, good old Watson and Crick discovered this, like, only in the 40s or 50s. I mean, it, it's, it's, we didn't even really know about DNA until the 50s. Um, once bound to the targeted DNA sequence, ZFNs cut the genome at the specific location, allowing scientists to delete or replace the, replace the targeted DNA via homologous recombination. So this method improved the rate of success, uh, but it is difficult and it's time consuming. It's hard to design and construct and uh, you, you can't really do it very well. So then in 2009, a new class of proteins called transcription activator-like effector nucleuses, or talons, were discovered. And so similar to ZFNs, talons are engineered from proteins found in nature and are capable of binding to specific DNA sequences. So while talons and ZFNs are similar in how they uh, edit the genome, talons are much simpler. So it became a little more more popular. So 
each edit requires the construction of new ZFN or Talon proteins. So then along comes CRISPR. And uh, it wasn't really announced until 2015. So just a few short years after Talon's come along. So CRISPR doesn't have anything to do, apparently, with your, your drawer where you keep your cabbage. I was shocked to know this, Harry. CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. So not for salads. Not for salads. It's Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. Hmm. Uh, there's no E in CRISPR. Uh, so it's a new type of genome editing, basically. And it is the hallmark. So they went in and they found in this bacterial defense system, it forms the basis for crispr Dash Cas9 genome editing, and so they observed in this bacteria this natural ability to defend itself from DNA um, sequences that weren't correct. And so they started looking into this bacteria and how it defended itself from bad DNA, and that's how they found the CRISPR method. And it is a bunch of different systems. It's not just one specific system. It's it's uh there's there's actually a patent dispute right now it's it's all over the place you'll see CRISPR everywhere um you can get CRISPR on Amazon you can get all kinds of CRISPR packet I mean I wouldn't go testing this on yourself um I saw one reason video which I'll put in the show notes where this guy you know he was working for NASA he's just kind of a, a burnout and he used mm-hmm. he's a biohacker and he used a CRISPR thing to like change certain things in plants and uh it's really kind of a cool revolution what's happening thanks to some of the biohacking and crispr stuff is there's this um the spirit of hacking that you saw in the early days of the internet and in the early days and even up until i mean even to today you have people who are hacking away trying to create cool new things on the internet with computers and technology and the same sort of thing is happening now at the molecular level in science so there could be a lot of people who come up with crazy discoveries in the garage right. and cure cancer it'll be you know this burnout in san francisco and his garage cures you know alzheimer's disease with this crispr kit from amazon that's very unlikely. Of course it is, but it could happen. Incredibly unlikely. Could happen. This lab's going to have all kinds of different variables in it that it's hard to account for or have the equipment that is necessary or the correct processes in place, the correct notes to re- re- replicate it. And then even if he does it once or twice, someone else has to do it and replicate it and verify it. So I know I just took a big poo-poo on that. I apologize. It's okay. I want realism here. I want the truth. <laughs> I need to know the truth. Uh, like, the- hey, can science happen outside like that university lab? Yes, it has lots of it happened. I'm not going to, you know, disparage anyone for wanting to go out other than don't experiment on yourself. Right. I I would not advise it. Yeah. Um. So I mean, because we're really early in this technology, and and people don't really fundamentally know everything there is to know about all these different technologies. You know, think about um, a new technology that comes out, like a smartphone, for instance. Think about the difference between the new, the newest iPhone and the first iPhone, and that's a ten-year difference. Well, think about a cell phone technology is actually incredibly old. Right. It was just a lot of worry, the implications of it, FCC too, the government right. uh, holding thing. But just like, what do these radio frequencies really do around humans? We need to test this. So I think for the idea of simplicity, I need you to not like, not get two in the weeds on this and here's why i think the cell phone analogy 
is helpful for some of that some of that detail is helpful but with the cell phone um, idea I want people to think in terms of the smartphone specifically the iPhone comes out in 2007 eight um, um, but I'm thinking about the technology actually in the device right but I'm I'm saying like think about the difference between the two devices if you had a, a brand new iPhone right off of the la- you know like with the camera, and then you had a brand new, perfectly functioning 2007 iPhone 1. Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. about the difference between those two devices. In, in an industry that is not very regulated, I mean, you have the FCC, but compared to like a lab at University of Michigan, it's, it's, it's free range what you can do with that iPhone. Think of the difference in the, the camera quality, the speed, and those various things in just 10 years. And you counter, and you take in the idea that we're now kind of going. What is this doing to our brains? Maybe this whole smartphone thing isn't a great idea, and eighty percent of people not having them are uh, having them may not be the best idea for in terms of reading comprehension or the ability for spatial learning and map learning. Um, so, when you take a technology that was developed in twenty fifteen, three short years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't quite know everything there is to know about this particular technology and how it will affect human beings. There's been a lot of testing on mice, but like 75% of those mice over the long term have developed serious consequences from it. Yeah, you can just get on Amazon apparently. Right? How much is this uh, DIY bacterial? One ninety nine. I see. I'll just go. All right, pick it up. Real quick. I'll get, put it on the wish list. Actually. All right, sweet. <laughs> we can make our own. We can make our own perfect libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> Help get us a get us a DIY CRISPR kit so we can grow a libertarian. We spidgen don't, of stone, spidgen, uh, you know, spidgen of a uh, uh, dear <laughs> Tad, leader, Tad Western. Yeah, Chuck of Tad Western and way too much James. January fifth when we have our, our dinner, I'll just have everybody spit into this petri dish. We, this is the perfect way. We don't have to convince people to be libertarian anymore. We just grow our own race yeah, of people. Grow. What could New possibly types. go wrong? New types. So, uh, all right, all right. I won't get in the weeds. I apologize. No, no, no. You're okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm grumpy tonight. It's not you. It's, it's me. Finally. <laughs> no, no, no. It's you. Uh, so, so it, this CRISPR system has developed a lot of excitement, Harry, because it's faster, it's cheaper, it's more accurate, and it's more efficient than other existing genome editing. Uh, you know, if I could find co-hosts who were faster, cheaper more accurate and more efficient uh, than the previous co-host. I'd love that. Good luck. I'd be very excited. Um, so CRISPR-associated DNA sequences, sequences, they were first observed in bacteria in the early 90s, but it wasn't until the 2000s that researchers understood its ability to recognize specific sequences and cut them via the CS, the Cas9 protein, which has DNA cutting abilities. So in nature, CRISPR is used by bacteria as an immune system to kill invading viruses, as we told you. Uh, so it's just easier than engineering proteins for the other methods. Uh, the strands of RNA and DNA can bind to each other and then replicate. Um, so RNA is it functions as the reader that decodes the DNA. Uh, the RNA converts that genetic info contained within the DNA to format used uh, to a format used to build proteins, and moves its ribosomal factories. It only has one strand. Um, 
<laughs> Paul Paul in the in the chat says, "Oh, great! Now he's threatening to replace co-host. I need this gig. You're <laughs> you're fine, Paul. Uh, so CRISPR can make deletions in the genome." Uh, and hopefully this all kind of has made sense. Have I done a good job of explaining this? Is, yeah. it, have I confused people yet? Not me. Right. Well, thank you to Sam for writing such great notes to help kind of yeah, thanks, Sam. guide the process in a very clear way uh, so we, we can really exp- explain this. So CRISPR is tailor-made to specifically change out those genes. So... It, it that's the science behind it, and trust me, this is very rudimentary. There are videos out there that you could you just put in CRISPR, and you can find TED talks and people talking about this on a on a level of science that is just if that tickles your fancy, go for it. I don't want to get too in the weeds with that because I don't want people to be confused because it's the ethical uses that we really want to discuss. So, how is genome editing used? So, we tend to think of it in terms of how will humans use it. You know, that's the 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 way that we were self-absorbed like that mm-hmm. instead of talking about food or or animals um but the main use of it has been in research editing the genomes of yeast bacteria mice has led to discoveries about how the genome is connected to physical traits like eye color as well as disease so they're just now figuring out like okay in this mice how do we change this little piece and turn this into this mouse's fur, for instance, from black to white. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is foreshadowing for the ethical discussions to, to be heard later. Um, so, research. It, how is it used? Research to change the DNA in cells. Uh, number two, to treat disease. It has been used to modify human blood cells that are then put back into the body to treat conditions like leukemia or AIDS or to treat infections like MRSA. Uh, and simple genetic convention conditions like muscular dystrophy or hemophilia. And the third way it's been used is biotechnology. It's been used in agriculture to genetically modify crops to improve their yields and resistance to disease and drought as well as to livestock. So why are we doing this show, Harry? We, we are on the cutting edge of the news here at We Are Libertarians. So we're talking about it because something happened in the news. Yes. Are you familiar with what happened? Yes. Okay. You want to tell us? Go ahead. What? You want me to go over? Yeah. Here, here. I'll give you the prep. I'll let you. Uh, uh, Are you, you upset that us. I know? No, I'm not upset. No, I'm, no. I want a drink of water, to be honest. <laughs> so. Put the bat down. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I'm not going to hit you, Harry. I promise. This episode. Um, and, just- and his name is Huh. That's how you pronounce his name is huh. Oh, good, because he jank. He jank? He jank. Huh jang. All right. A Chinese scientist, he jank, recently said he used CRISPR to alter a gene in human embryo, germline therapy, and then implemented the embryos in the womb of a woman who gave birth to twin girls in November. And it wasn't just one girl. It was, I think there was like 10 different women who were implanted with this particular uh you know he he unethically basically put out a call for fathers with aids and mothers without aids and then they were going to do ivf in vitro mm-hmm. fertilization mm-hmm. of an embryo that is aids resistant correct and, and basically taking advantage of these poor women and fa- these families yeah. of their fears exactly giving them about forty thousand dollars in ivf treatment mm-hmm. right yeah. and only one of them possibly two but we know of one. He announced the birth on YouTube of one and then mm-hmm. spoke at a genome conference 
which I imagine that's wild. Yeah. Going to a genome conference. Oh, yeah. It's got to get crazy. Right. You know, they have like probably Sticks performs, you know, or or <laughs> Ario Speedwagon later in the in the lounge. Yeah, maybe. I, don't, I, I doubt that. They probably just drink. Just very heavily, okay. All right, Let's splice All right. some genome. Yeah, yeah, get you're, really, really drunk and splice genome. You're like in the, in the time we've been talking, you've dropped fourteen eggs, and I've made seventy eight thousand sperms. Let's. That's <laughs> probably how they talk, right? I, I'm sure that's how scientists uh, dirty talk. <laughs> probably is, not. Okay, <laughs> this is illegal in many countries, including the U.S. China has halted Doctor He's. Huh. <laughs> research and investigating whether he broke any Chinese law. China does not allow projects such as this one. The Ministry of Health and Ministry of Science and Technology issued regulations banning such experiments in 2003. And, and the reason, again, is that they don't know what could possibly happen. You know, yeah. as as um, I heard today on a podcast, you know, 70% of the rats that have this CRISPR therapy done long-term have serious defects. Oh yeah, and so, but so do all uh, most medical rat uh, mice have genetic defects because they've been just breeded the way they have. Been. Right. So, in there is a great Intelligence Square debate on this particular issue that I'll put in the show notes, um, which is a great podcast and YouTube channel. And they were basically saying that the real reason you, this isn't ethical to do what this guy did is you have to take. Dozens of of people, dozens of babies. Mm -hmm. You have to have dozens of people implant the embryos. Uh, They have to come to term. They have to live for many, many years. And we have to study those children. And what if you give birth to children with serious defects because you remove one gene and humans are fallible, whereas nature and or God, depending on how you use it, is not, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on how you view evolution or intelligent design. Uh, it's usually not fallible and knows what it's doing and humans don't. And so it's unethical to have this kind of study where you have multiple people, you're, you're bringing them in by means that are not favorable. You're, you're then producing children that may have serious, serious defects. Mm-hmm. You know, how is that ethical? Uh, so that's part of the reason that he is so, it's just way too early and some people have cast doubt on whether he did this or not. Uh, several scientists that I saw said, based on the data that he presented, something happened. We yeah. may not know all the details at this point, but given lo- the lecture that he gave and the data he presented, there there is something. There were some babies probably born. Uh, so he's not totally full of it. So, um, But very little data on what the children are like or any of that has actually come out. So, So that's why it's unethical. <clears throat> I like your reading voice. You know, I like the, there's a warm up. <laughs> Dr. Hu says he submitted his research to a scientific journal and is awaiting peer review. The gene Dr. Hu said he edited is called CCR5. This gene creates a protein that makes it possible for HIV to infect people's cells. Dr. Hu said he recruited couples in which the man had HIV and the woman did not. He then used CRISPR-Cas9 to try and disable the CCR5 gene in their embryos. His goal was to eliminate the CCR5 gene and create babies who would be resistant to HIV, smallpox, and cholera. 
According to the consent form, the total value of the treatments and payments were approximately $40,000 for over four times the average annual wage in urban China. Uh, yeah, so why are scientists up in arms? Uh, changing the genes in an embryo means changing genes in every cell. So the baby would have alterations that are inherited by all of the child's progeny at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a serious undertaking that needs to be done with a lot of deliberation. And while people who are born with both copies of CCR5 disabled are resistant to HIV, these children now could be much more susceptible to West Nile virus, flu, Japanese encephalitis. Uh, and there are just simpler and safer ways to prevent HIV. And so he said he was able to disable both copies of the CCR5 gene in only one of the twins, and the other twin, only one copy of the CCR5 was disabled, and providing limited, if any, protection against HIV. So his treatment didn't work in one of the twins. Right. Yeah. And he has made them more susceptible to other diseases in the process. Yeah. So... He even seemed to act in a contravention to his own stated views. So he spoke in July 2017 at a conference, and uh, he brought up the case of Jesse Gelsinger, an American teen who died dies in a botched gene therapy trial in, ni- in the 90s. And to avoid such deaths and the effect they can have on research, Dr. He urged scientists to move cautiously before actually doing anything. Uh, he addresses his ethics in the YouTube video that I will put into the show notes if you'd like to watch that. Um, he sought out ethical advice from doctors at Stanford, Arizona State, and they he acted counter to all of the advice given to him. And so uh, there's actually one person, um, let's see, Sharon Begley um, at Stat Reports um, says... He has developed his own personal code that reads like what you would expect from a freshman in the first week of Bioethics 101. So we didn't think very deeply about the actual ethics of this. Dr. Kieran Moose... Oh, shit. This guy is really smart. I watched a lot of videos, but I didn't hear the pronunciation, and I can't do it. Dr. Musunurunu. That's not <laughs> even close, man. Musunurunu. Okay. Dr. Kieran Musunuru. A geneticist at the University of Pennsylvania reviewed the data and said there's clear evidence of mosaicism in the edited embryos of both twins. That is a condition in which more than one genetically distinct population of cells coexist within one individual. He went on to say, I was so furious. This would have been disturbing anyway. Gene editing babies. It made it a hundred times worse knowing that he had totally mosaic embryos. It's as if you took the embryos and dipped them in acid and said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and implant them anyways. It's not much different. Meaning he, he, he intentionally destroyed the embryos and put them in and brought them to term. Uh, it's unclear if the babies themselves end up with a mosaic patchwork of cells. Now, I looked into this, and um, I think this is a, a form of Down syndrome. Um, it, it causes it, but I'm not totally sure. So don't – I'm unclear, so don't take this as gospel when it, when it comes to the mosaic. So I'll just be straight up. I, I researched that part a little bit, and I just didn't quite grasp – the concept of mosaic cells, but it sounds really bad. Uh, <laughs> so it is also unclear if they knew what they were agreeing to. Um, so it, there are a lot of scientists who are mad about this, that it could end up 
making it look like, oh, this guy's just Frankenstein, and this is bad for the entire industry at a time when the industry is trying to fight for research funding or legal ability to do research on this stuff. They don't want someone going in and doing testing on human beings, especially babies, uh, and making it look like it's heartless science, a eugenics, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, people, if, th- if these children have disease, they will be overshadowed by justifiable public outrage, fear, and disgust. Um, so not all cells have the same genetics. So, okay, so the cells have different DNA, which would cause confusion in the body. Um, so th- uh, sci- a professor at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, Kui Renzong, uh, it was a practice that, it was a practice with the least degree of ethical justifiability and acceptability. Um, so it was like using a cannon to shoot a bird. So China's pissed. Uh, now with those 1400 new prisons they've got with 2 million people being disappeared in China and a new social credit score. Yeah. You don't want, um, to piss off Z over there in China. Uh, so China is really trying to, there, there's a big race for this particular technology and everybody is, while the patent war is taking uh, place between, uh, I think it's Caltech and Broad Technologies, the, the everybody's kind of getting what they can before somebody gets the patent, and, right. and it becomes super expensive to uh, license this technology. And uh, you know the Chinese love to steal technology. And uh, so they're trying to really make a name for themselves in this particular era, and he brought dishonor to the Chinese scene, and it's another black mark against China and uh, their widespread scientific plagiarism and fraud and industrial espionage. So they've actually released guidelines along these lines that he did not follow. Um, so Dr. Kui also said, how could Dr. He and his team change the gene pool of the human species without considering the need to consult other parts of the species? So doing it in secret, changing the genes of the species without there being a, a conversation is another reason that people are really pissed about this. Um, so, you know, when it comes to the legality of this technology, uh, it's, it's illegal in France, Britain, America, um, it, it uh, in the guidelines introduced in China, for instance, it requires gene editing projects to have the approval of ethics committees at related research institutes. Uh, there is a Council of Europe's Oviedo Convention, and it calls for the prohibition on the use of genetic engineering of the germline. So you can't change the entire species. Uh, the U.S. treats gene editing as projects as medication or a device and requires them to comply with FDA regulations. Um, there is no state or federal law prohibiting germline editing in humans, but the FDA has taken the view that putting a genetically modified embryo into a human is the same as introducing a new drug or biological product. And in 2015, Congress mandated that the FDA isn't allowed to accept new drug applications for clinical research involving genetically modified embryos. Um, the National Institute, Institutes of Health, the biggest funder of research in the country, is not allowed to fund research into uh, embryo manipulation. Only thing that kept going in my mind is just humans just have a very long, you know, homo sapiens have a long history of killing things that aren't homo sapiens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That are like, huh, you kind of like me. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not a human. Oh, okay. Kill it. Kill it. (laughs) Um, The reason why there's 
you know, we're the only human-like things on the planet. We, the you know, species we, has killed everything else, or, <laughs> or breeded it out. You know, yeah. Let's put those orangutans in a cage. Uh, a, re- a recent Pew Research poll indicates that 60% of Americans support using gene editing on babies to reduce a lifetime risk of contracting diseases, which I was amazed. 60% of the population believes that this is okay. <laughs> Sounds oddly um, anti-Luddite for for the, the American mind. Um, so People just want um, to be able to get that... Um uh, uh, that championship game they just want that football championship right they got him beat you know you know mayberry and you know the football game and this is the best way to do it we just genetically alter the entire team right (laughs) are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. All right, so now we get into the ethical portion of this. Um, and this is really the, the, the greater discussion. And we'll have a little bit of a discussion here. Uh, I'm not going to give you specific answers because I don't know where I fall on it. I don't, I don't think I can tell you one way or the other. I think it's, uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. There was a great, like I said, that debate was a great debate on intelligence squared about this with professionals who study this in, in depth. Um, excuse me i yawned uh but uh i'm boring myself harry mm. told you this is a different type of nerd stuff uh, i i find i found it to be really interesting mm. uh i'm just tired today uh i'm like three days away from vacation and i started the week i'd like to crisper this week uh i thought i had friday off and it turns out i don't <laughs> so all weekend long i was sitting there going all i've got to do is get through thursday and then I got to work on Monday, and I said, wait, we're here on Friday? No. no. <laughs> so here, there are some questions that we need to think about when it comes to editing genomes. So you see in the GMO debate around foods, genetically modifying foods, for instance, uh, the debate that goes on around that. Imagine that when it comes to human beings. So, you know, where some see a new form of medicine that eliminates genetic disease, others see a slippery slope to enhancements, designer babies, and a u- new form of eugenics. And this is one of the arguments against it. Um, Harry, your dad, and your daughter is on the playground, and she's a normal, and then she's uh, next to, uh, I don't know, let's, what'd you call them? A new... New types. A new type, and mm-hmm. she's an old type. She's a natural mm-hmm. next to a, a genie. Yeah. And, you know, she's clearly smarter mm-hmm. than your daughter. She's uh, smarter than you. Mm-hmm. At five, she's got, you know, she's clearly just going to grow up to be a really successful human. And then we get to the point where you have people who have the money to do this, 
Mm-hmm. Because IVF is incredibly expensive already, yeah. and then you get into the CRISPR portion and designing genes and going to somebody who can do it right. This mm-hmm. treatment in China with r- this rickety Chinese treatment cost forty thousand dollars, you know, and we're talking hundred thousand, two hundred thousand here in America. Um, so the wealthy who already genetically, you know, by the virtue of their money, are able to do many different things to improve the quality of their genes. They marry people with uh, maybe, you know, better genes. They can afford to look for uh, a mate with high, uh, higher IQ and better wealth. And, uh, the, and then they have the ability to take a lot of supplements mm-hmm. during their pregnancy and go to baby yoga and have baby Mozart playing and do things to help improve the gestation of the baby. And then you add on the designer and then all of a sudden you're sitting there with with your old type next to the new type, and the new type is very superior, and they have bred their child, which gets into eugenics, mm-hmm. which Americans have a problem with. Um, that that in and of itself creates a lot of cultural problems, um, ethical dilemmas. You get into the fact that what happens if maybe, uh, how do I put this delicately, um, we're all striving for equality, but then some people decide that uh, maybe I don't want my child to have more of those type of features. Mm. You know what I'm saying, Harry? Yeah. Uh, Short, have their skin burn in the sun. Right. Those I don't, features. I don't want a ginger. I don't want a ginger baby. Make sure that it's blonde with blue eyes. And uh, dark skin. No dark skin. Beautiful dark skin. Caramel skin, I think, is the way that they would put it. Up in Carmel. <laughs> Carmel. Uh, and then all of a sudden it becomes racism in, a, in and of itself becomes acceptable in certain cultures because you're breeding your child to not have certain I- identities. Um, now, we're not at that point with the technology, um, but these are some of the questions that you have to ask yourself about these new technologies. Uh, and, and this is a question that I think, Harry, we're going to have a lot over the next few years, like... Where is new technology leading us? What are the ramifications uh, just in the way that many uh, people during the Industrial Revolution or the early night, uh, early 20th century had about new technologies, for instance, with war? Mm-hmm. You know, where Where is this going? What are we going to do with all this? Um, and I think we're going to have a lot of these conversations more and more about are we are we willing to allow society to just breed in certain inequalities? <laughs> I think we're far away from CRISPR doing for stuff like that. Um, some looking at the different things, which I could, for the things I can understand. To me, I see CRISPR mostly being used with stem cell research just to get past the normal ailments that plague the human condition. So going after mental, yeah, most people probably, before they even think about like, well, I want to have my daughter or my kid to have red or purple hair. I think most people and most of the research money is going to go into helping people with mental issues or with diseases that, like I said, plague the, you know, the human condition. Right. The designer baby part is the sexy part of this, but Correct. really it's yeah. probably going to be used more for, you know, making sure that certain genes that might cause, um, I don't know if they're at a point where they know what, what if autism is on, on mm-hmm. your DNA or um, certain, like Lee's disease, I heard was one example. That, or like, I see like people's like, well, they're going to make their baby have blonde hair. Yeah, but would someone who really has the money want a kid with blonde hair or try to figure out how to get, 
you know, make sure their DNA has a or centurions. Make sure they no no my DNA is going to hit a hundred. Sure, I made sure my DNA is going to hit two hundred. You know, to me that seems like more something with somebody would probably put money into other than like my kid's going to have blonde hair. I know you can buy that in a bottle, but well, the Kardashians have completely changed every aspect of their. F- a body and everything <laughs> like mm-hmm. the Kendall Jenner spent two million dollars on plastic surgery so that, that that already exists and a lot of the this stuff exists like the and that ROI on that right yeah no kidding invest two million dollars in changing your look and then you're a billionaire uh, and that's part of the argument and this is a, a frequent argument we make here on the show it's like yeah that's scary that they might be able to do that but a lot of this stuff we're already doing things to edit our genes like folate taking folate during a pregnancy can can improve certain things or um like i said prenatal vitamins there we're already trying to gain an advantage and what's the problem with trying to gain an what's the problem with trying to have a healthy intelligent baby if you can do certain things like exercising during pregnancy or taking prenatal vitamins why wouldn't you want to do that if you have the ability to ensure that your child is born without a rare degenerative disease why wouldn't you do that why would you want to have a child when they have certain genetic um, issues? Uh, I don't want to say defects. I want to say issues. Um, you know, so uh, the the idea of medicine at the mm-hmm. end of the day is medicine is there to support making us healthy and mm-hmm. improving our chances. This is just another technology like a defibrillator. Yes. Or some something else, um, but the inherent risk that are in the systems of the not knowing and the thing that you're doing with is doing something to a human being that's going to take time to even find out the small ramification of what you just did. Which is the goes back to the initial problem: How do you do testing on this? You're going right. to have to, you know, create a race uh, or not a race, but uh, create a a group of test babies. Right. You know, it's not ethical to treat new technologies on human beings. Correct. Because, yeah, you would have to have a group of 10 humans that you've done this to and then watch them their entire lifespan and buy up them. Yeah. And then force them to have progeny. So you can study that, too, to see how that how did it pass it on? Yeah. So not only did you just doom the this group of kids, their kids, kids. And their kids' kids is what you've done, too. And that goes back to the libertarian problem, the problem with consent and mm-hmm. individual liberty. You are changing the gene pool of a lot of people who didn't consent to have a greater risk of West Nile virus, for instance. Correct, yeah. It's, it's the same ethical uh, argument when it comes to, like, generational ships. We get a bunch of humans on a ship, and we'll fly to this other planet, and we'll just keep having kids on the ship, and the ship will just keep going. What if these... So you just condemned all your offspring to be stuck on the ship, right. go to a planet that you don't even know that's there, right? You know, it's the you know it's, it's the same thing that the people go to Mars is like, yeah, they're gonna have kids. Oh man, you're gonna have kids on Mars? You're gonna doom them to stay on that red planet? Cause look, have fun. A lot of people feel that way about Earth, though, Harry. <laughs> um, yeah, and so you're. It, it also depends on your view of life. If you don't feel that an, a fertilized embryo is life then mm. there's a different question. And then there are a lot of people who believe that, you know, a fertilized egg is life. And so therefore it's not for you to tinker with. It's, it's a human being at that point. Uh, I think this, this whole debate is, is um, inevitably it will lead back to abortion and eugenics and 
some of those discussions that we've had for 150 years. Uh, eugenics and abortion were tied together, by the mm-hmm. way. Look yep. up Margaret Sanger's history. Um, but th- I think for people, like, I'm pro-life, but in a free society, you're just going to have to accept that if you're a pro-life, there are pro-choice people. There are going to be people who have a different view of how life exists. There is a, I printed it out, I don't know if we'll get to it, but there's a New York Times article by Todd May called Would Human Extinction Be a Tragedy? And this is a one, two, three-page opinion piece in the New York Times Mm -hmm. about whether or not it's a problem if humans go extinct because humans are the species, the animal, that has uh, just destroyed the climate. And aren't, don't we deserve to die? So here's a guy. He, of course, you know, nobody's going to talk about the, uh, the alarmism leading to su- greater suicides because of this piece of trash. Um, but here's a person who doesn't, who doesn't see human beings any more value, uh, that have any more value than a horse or uh, a hawk, <laughs> you know. And then there are people who see human beings, they have a, a tremendous amount of inherent value. And then there are people who, so views are always off on different planes, right? Mm-hmm. So we always, I'm never going to get you, I'm never going to get 100% of the world to think the way that I think. Uh, and so we have to get comfortable with the idea that in a free society, there are going to be people doing things that you don't like. But the point is you don't take your gun and force them to live the way that you'd like them to live. Um, you persuade those people to see your point of view and you win hearts and minds to convert them to the behavior that you see as rational. Uh, but there will be people who uh, there, there's a difference between ending a pregnancy and changing this, the germline for a species, right? right. So is it, you know, should scientists ever have the power or ethically, you know, it, not beholden by force, but beholden by their code of ethics, meaning, you know, whether there's a law or whether there's a code of ethics, somebody's like her huh, is going to do whatever they want to do. Right. Right. So we have to understand that. Uh, that there's people say, well, without laws, people would just do whatever they want. That's not true. They already do that. Correct. Those same people are going to do exactly what you want. Yes. And there probably is going to be less of them. Um, so should scientists ever be able to edit the germline cells? These edits would be passed down through the generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. That's, that's a question that I think people need to think about and, and wrestle with. You know, should we have the ability to change those genes permanently? Um, is it, and is that question scarier than the reality? Sometimes with these things, Harry... If you go and really research it and you look into it, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. Like, to me, I don't know anything about genome editing until like a week ago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this is the scariest thing ever. And then you watch a bunch of researchers talk about it and you're like, oh, okay, this isn't like Frankenstein. This is like just normal stuff. Um, yeah, people aren't getting cat eyes and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, eagle vision and, you know. But that's another ethical question there's therapeutic uses like taking out HIV, for instance. Yeah. And then there's the cosmetic reasons. Yeah, but there's other things. Like if if, a, if the father has HIV and the mother, there's other things that, you know they've developed for that. Right. Um, but if they're giving out eagle eyes, I'm, you know, 
Christian Lobby. <laughs> are you in on that? I want my eagle eyes. That's no right. reason I haven't gotten LASIK yet. I'm waiting for the technology to the point you go like when they're like, you know, but not only we're better than 2020 now, now we got, you know, like binocular vision. That's what I want instead. Dude. Did you see there was a, a traffic or weather reporter at a local Fox station that killed themselves? She she committed suicide and the station ran an article that it may have like what what did LASIK surgery contribute to this? Because she had had LASIK like a month before. Really? So you're telling me, Harry, that going and getting LASIK surgery causes suicidal thoughts a yeah, month and a half later? Apparently, uh, when things are too HD, uh, you know, <laughs> right. it's just like, you know, or personally, if I can get like those Bato eyes from Ghost in the Show, and get them Bato <laughs> Ranger eyes. You know. I have no idea what you're talking about. No. So, all right, if you were going to improve one part of your body and you could have, you could go in and get one free DNA change, what would you change about yourself? Ooh, it's got to be DNA. Yeah. Mm, man. I mean, just, you know, what, whatever piece of yourself that you'd like to change. Well, like I said, I'm perfect. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard being perfect. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't change anything. I'm perfect. All right. Well, I know one thing I'd change about you. Um, <laughs> I, for me, I would love to be smarter. Uh, I think. I think intelligence. Yeah, I think I'm already smart, but I'd love to be smarter. I'd love to have a higher IQ, uh, or maybe not maintain retain weight. <laughs> maybe have it be easier to lose weight. Uh, change the DNA so I don't like carbs and sugar as much. I don't drink custard nog. <laughs> I'm allergic to custard nog. That'd be a good start. Dip this roll in my custard nog. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's inevitable. Like just like that is a great example. I think this technology excites us for for our own selfish reasons, and so we always take it back to like, well, people are just going to use it to change the things they hate about themselves. Uh, but honestly, like if I could make myself a hundred pounds lighter, like what? would be the problem with that you know like i don't know um so another ethical question is what do you so with with genetically modified food for instance or genetically modified animals if there's some sort of defect mm -hmm. we just destroy those animals or those crops and those seeds correct so how do you handle genetically modified human beings that have defects are you just going to quote unquote destroy those human beings some sort of final solution uh, right. That's, you know, so that's another ethical problem with this because you're dealing with people who have scary genetic, let's say yeah. the first, the first round of human beings are, are, you know, embryos are tried and mm -hmm. they come out and they're just like, we can't have Whoa. them reproducing because this could lead to a problem in the species. Correct. Yeah. You know, that's another ethical issue. Um, so most genes are studied in adulthood. Dr. He changed in them in twins. Yeah, because another thing is like, okay, like this is far fetched as going scientist, but it's just saying like, think of Superman. It's just a comic book that he wanted to be normal and not wanted to do things. Right. But the normal person <laughs> out there in the world that had that type of power, they it, wouldn't be Superman. Yeah. It it wasn't Superman. Right. Yeah. They will not be Superman. So there's the Gattaca problem. The genetic manipulation of in vitro fertilized embryos became the natural way of giving birth. So in this movie, everybody gives birth through IVF. You don't have kids. You're all, you know, you, you are, you go in for IVF and have the eggs implanted. 
the embryo was implanted, but it also created an underclass of people whose parents didn't buy genetic advantages for their children. Could we see a future of eugenics that could put the genetic haves and have-nots against each other? So there's your dystopian future. Yeah. Or, you know, we get to the point where men go one direction, women go the other, and we just make, you know, we just keep going in our separate spaceships. Right. What happens if an authoritarian government starts requiring genome editing? What if the Chinese, uh, quickly becoming a horribly authoritarian country, decides that uh, they start, that that you have to? Uh, They already, I mean, one child policy, uh, favorable towards males. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I guess it was like 400 million children just weren't born in China or something crazy. Um, Or disappeared. Well, that's two million, yeah. Um, do parents have the moral obligation to gen- make genetically superior babies if the technology is there? So, uh, if it's costly and cost effective and safe, do you not have a moral obligation to go and give your child the best advantage at life? Hmm. But it all depends on the person and what, and what advantages are you really giving them? What has been really been studied? What has been sought out? Well, as one person said it here in the notes, if CRISPR could do what Ritalin does and improve impulse control and give child a greater range of opportunities, then I'd have to say we have the same moral obligation to use CRISPR as we do Ritalin. Um, I think Ritalin is just blocking the um, massive advantage of the next evolutionary, you know, process and you know, in human evolution, the ADHD is more of a yeah benefit than it is a hindrance and you can also stop taking it <laughs> correct yeah you know that's right 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 yeah. so the effects can wear off once you're worried about your teeth you can just stop right a counterpoint to this the natural human genome has enough variety in it already and allows any child to fulfill his or her own vision of happiness without editing the genome you know if you want a tall child, then go marry a tall man or woman. True. T- technically, it, and it would be cheaper for you just to buy for the uh, the lipo and get the buy one get one free, or and get the um, calf implants. Then right. probably you know then genetically modify yourself. Right, and it also comes down to the safe to try. Another aspect of this is if uh, the alternative is a horrific genetic disease that you know, like your organs are born are outside of your body or something. Like, why wouldn't there was this woman in one of these podcasts that I listened to use this. This person had six children. They all had Lee's disease because she had Lee's disease. Mm-hmm. What if you go in and she's able to bore out, bear out children mm-hmm. who don't have this to which the other person replied, like, adopt a child or get a, an embryo donor. There's plenty of alternatives now that don't involve editing the gene pool. Yeah. Forever. The, forever. When the gene pool clearly said you're not to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I don't find that to be a terribly convincing argument because there's plenty of people who have children that, you know, naturally that they're helped along through natural, through new medicine, I, I should say. Um, yeah. so, uh, and, and then this, uh, final point from our researcher, Sam, the crucial question is not what rules were broken with Dr. Hub, but what and whose judgments about what is right and appropriate should rule the human future. Deeming Dr. Hu crazy and a rogue does not answer the question of what went wrong. To answer that, we must all take a hard look at the potential limitations of current routines of ethical oversight. Are they asking the right questions? Questions that who that those whose lives will be affected by these powerful new technologies would want researchers to ask. 
That is a question whose answer cannot come purely from within the hallowed halls of science, but must be calibrated to the whole human community's shared visions of the good. So I thought that was an interesting point. So I don't feel that uh, we necessarily gave you the answers to any ethical questions or maybe made that dilemma any harder for you, but I think it really reflects on your own personal values. I think a lot of these deeper ethical questions really have to come down to where do you and your personal morals and values fit within this. And I think in a lot of ways it's, um, you know, it's like the abortion debate. I personally would not want to, I, I obviously don't have a lot of control, but I personally would not want to be involved in a situation where someone had an abortion. I, my personal values are pro-life. Um, others have different personal values than I do. I would probably not want to use the CRISPR system. But I really don't know unless I was faced with that choice. If, if all things being equal, if I were looking at, if I had been struggling to have a child mm-hmm. um, and finally was able to have a child and there was some sort of situation where modern medicine could fix the DNA to make sure that this child was, wasn't going to have certain issues, I, I don't know what choice I would make. I'd probably make the choice to have the change just as I would say, yeah, put them on that medicine. Um, but they're... they're I may feel differently and <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about it. Um, but, um, I think it's an interesting ethical question for people. Yeah. And the stab into the unknown right now and what right. the ramifications of anything is. This is, you know, it's like, you know, it's not being a lot of, this is, a, we're not talking about building an airplane and humans flying. Right. You know, we're not talking about, um, going to the stars. This is something completely different. All right, Harry, final thoughts for the episode. Um, <clears throat> allowing the new type to form naturally in the human race as we evolve seems like the better option. Creating cyber new type or ones made just seems to gonna muck up the process. Have you have you ever gone to like Williamstown or St. Augustine or like some historical colonial site and the door frames are like five seven? <laughs> And it's because people who lived 500 years ago, their their max height was like 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, because they didn't have food. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. human beings have progressed to the point where we're much bigger in all ways, yeah. but taller, faster, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. better. Yeah, just better because we're eating the food and everything that we, in the correct environment that we need to be in to, to do different things. But I'll tend to, you know, challenges like, you know, my dad is incredibly short. He's a short guy, but is he short because he was born in the early fifties, you know, and didn't get the proper nutrition growing up. And I did. And that's the reason why I'm told possibly who knows. Right. I don't know. You know, but you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, you know, human evolution has got us this far without us tampering with it. Granted, we've done it and we've done it with corn and all kinds of different things. And we've even done it with some small, small things of doing uh, interjecting things in the human genome. We, we've done some certain things like this, but it's more of a in small, you know, controlled environments and not really into full on human embryos. Will it possibly happen in the future? I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. And if it does happen, it's not going to be designer babies. It's going to be for, you know, curing diseases or, you know, illnesses. I can see that possibly, but for designer babies, I think it's very far off from that. It's going to be so hard, so controlled, and governments are going to let that get out of hand. Yeah, and if they are, they're you know it's 
the only reason I can see of them doing it designer, the only, and then it's the scary thought is that if there's a war breeding and that's what they'll do, they'll use it for. Yeah. That's sad. Super soldiers. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, a couple things for my part. First, I want to, uh, you know, gosh, you were so fortunate to listen to We Are Libertarians. I was watching a study today about Gen Z and how they're conservative because they're counterculture. Uh, the prevailing culture is liberal, so they the, the Gen Z, the Zoomers, are more conservative. That's something that we uh, explained in 2016 uh, that we talked about, that we identified more, more Christian, more conservative, uh, more independent, more individualistic uh, in Gen Z. So happy to tell you that we were right there. Another piece where we were right. Uh, and if you want to talk about CRISPR, by the way, I should say if you, if we were wrong, if we have cor- if you have corrections or want to weigh in on some of those ethical questions, then please go to the Facebook group or the Discord. You can find those at wearelibertarians.com and jump in there and start a discussion with your fellow listeners. That'd be great. Uh, another place where we were right. This is from the Washington Times. Uh, Anti-Trump dossier author was hired to help Hillary challenge 2016 election results. Now, at the time when Donald Trump stood on stage and said he might not accept the results. You hear the helicopters? Yep. They're coming for us, man. Just you. Black, oh, well, they're Reddit black you. helicopters. So Reddit you out. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's how it would go. Uh, so I just remember being really stunned by Donald Trump shook, literally shook by Donald Trump saying he wouldn't accept the election results because if it would just undermine the basic norms that hold our society together, that there's a peaceful transition. And, uh, you know, if you lose, you lose. That's just how it is. And you can run again in four years, but you don't undermine the president. Uh, if Hillary Clinton wins, you don't just undermine undermine her presidency and throw a fit because you lost. Lo and behold, as I have said, Hillary Clinton and her her collection of misfits have used the Russia investigation to undermine the Trump presidency at every turn. And some court filings. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ray Rowan Scarborough in the Washington Times, December 12th, this was posted, excuse me. British ex-spy Christopher Steele, who wrote the Democrat-financed anti-Trump dossier, the P-tape dossier, which was the basis of the FISA warrant for, uh, uh, what was this, Carter Page, which was the basis for getting the special counsel appointed that uh, the Russians helped elect Donald Trump what all these people are going to jail they're not not for that but for other stuff um christopher Steele said in a court proceeding in a court case that he was hired by a democratic law firm in preparation for hillary clinton challenging the results of the 2016 presidential election he said the law firm perkins coy wanted to be in a position to contest the results based on evidence he unearthed on the Trump campaign conspiring with Moscow on election interference. So we want to contest the election, so go find some evidence that might support the Russian narrative. How this is not on the front page of every newspaper, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is so creepy. It's like, go out and find my evidence. Right. 
His scenario was contained in a sealed August 2nd declaration in a defamation lawsuit brought by three Russian bankers in London. The trio's American attorneys filed his answer Tuesday in a libel lawsuit last Tuesday in Washington against the investigative firm Fusion GPS, which handled the former British intelligence officer. In answer to interrogations, Mr. Steele wrote, The Fusion's immediate client was law firm Perkins Coy. It engaged Fusion to obtain information necessary for Perkins Coy to provide legal advice on the potential impact of Russian involvement on the legal validity of the outcome of the 2016 election. Quote, based on that advice, parties such as the DNC and the HFACC, a Hillary for America, could consider steps they would legally be legally entitled to take to challenge the validity of the outcomes of that election. Democrats never filed a challenge, but Mr. Steele's answer suggested that was one option inside the Clinton camp. Um, no Trump associate has been charged with collusion. So you could look at this two ways. She's covering all her bases, want to be prepared for any outcome, or she hired a guy to go create a narrative and there's more to this. You can I'll put it in the show notes. You can go read the actual article for yourself. Um, but to refresh your memory, the Steele dossier was then uh, given to um, Christopher Steele was friends with uh, Strzok, McCabe. He was known by uh, the Bruce Orr in in the FBI. Uh, his Bruce Orr's wife worked at Fusion GPS knew Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele was in McCabe's office at one point in the FBI. Uh, the Steele dossier was taken by uh, John McCain and given to Rod Rosenstein and James Comey at the FBI during the election. So they were aware of the information. They then made Trump aware of this after his election, uh, and he threw a fit about it. Um, and so these are the people that orchestrated along with the Podestas and the Sidney Blumenthal's of the world uh, and Hillary Clinton to, to bring about the Russia investigation. We're two years into this $50 million. We've not found anything. No one's been arrested for collusion and it's just been one. The, the president is right. It's a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. It has been used to do, to completely erode his power as president with a phony scandal. Uh, there's never been anything to the Russia investigation. And, and it is shameful what the Democrats have done. And it was it is just it was shameful when the Republicans did it to the Clinton administration in the 90s with their witch hunt with Whitewater, where nothing came about of it. Um, and then finally, through a process crime, they got Clinton on perjury. So I just look at this and I go, this is this is the most amazing. Th I cannot believe this is on not on the front newspaper of everything we've told you. And we now have the evidence that I was right about all of this all along. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, when it comes to Trump being impeached for things like money laundering, yeah, I'll believe that <laughs> because I think that's always been it's they wasted so much time on Russia. Mm -hmm. And if they had just focused on the Trump Foundation, which was corrupt as hell, or his tax returns and all the secrets that are held in that. I, I think, and I partly think that the special counsel was appointed so he could go look at his tax returns. Right. You know, and, um, so yeah, yeah. Went looking for a crime. It, right. It was a fishing expedition mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't matter if you like Donald Trump or not. This is not how a Republic operates. Yeah. You do not rep operate a, a political and 
a system like this. Yeah, and the crimes are such any, and the, most of the crimes they're they're even finding out is, you know, they were doing something else, and like, well, that's a crime, right? What? Yeah, that's a crime, right? Uh, you know, that was a crime. Well, it's a crime. Yeah, you know. But if I would have filled out this form, it would have been all. Oh yeah, oh totally right. on board. Yeah, it's like Michael Cohn. Uh, I think we stopped talking to him in January. No, it was June. You're you're up, going up for perjury. Yeah, I was like, what? Uh, all right. So, secondly, every year, Harry, as you know, I take a two-week break. I get two weeks off from work, and I take those two weeks off from We Are Libertarians. Uh, we're going to finish posting the dailies that have been produced um, throughout this week. Mm-hmm. going to give you a couple weeks to catch up on everything. We know we've produced a lot over the last few months, and I'm sure you're behind on a lot of stuff. Um, so we're going to take a two-week break. I'm going to get refreshed because here's the deal. Um, this is like writing a research paper for me and a few other guys, uh, writing t- one or two research papers a week okay. and then doing a presentation on it, and that is a lot of stress. So imagine when you were in college writing two research papers and uh, you, you've got three or four days to do it. And so sometimes it's just nice to be a person and to read whatever you want to read or watch whatever you want to watch or just watch TV and not feel guilty about it. So I always take a couple weeks off in the uh, in the wintertime to enjoy the Christmas season. I will be back the week of the 7th. And Harry, I'm sure, will be here with me. Mm-hmm. And we have all kinds of cool, exciting stuff that we're already talking about in 2019. So we want to thank you for your support in 2018. It was one of the best years of We Are Libertarians. And uh, we are excited to continue to grow. As soon as we come back from break, the presidential campaign starts. Oh, yeah. That's when the Democrats are going to start lining up. You're going to start hearing announcements. So it's giddy up. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. Let's find out who's really running. Right. So, all right. So, yeah. Please subscribe on Patreon. Thank you to Christy Avery, Jason Doolittle, Craig DaCosta, and the Libertarian Coalition for being $100 a month subscribers. And all of our subscribers, Liberty Memes, actually just uh, became a $25 a month subscriber. So thank you to uh, the Liberty Memes fellas uh, over there and becoming Patreon uh, supporters of We Are Libertarians. I appreciate that very much. So uh, very nice. I've really enjoyed getting to know the Brothers Gay uh, and they are doing a lot of great charity work over there at Liberty Memes. So join their Facebook group and please, um, you know, support them for supporting us. Same with the Libertarian Coalition, like their Facebook page. Get involved with what they've got going on. Uh, Liberty Memes, join their Patreon and support other Libertarian creators. So, all right, thanks guys. Thanks Harry for being here. Thanks uh, for uh, a great 2018, and I look forward for. Uh, we really need to get your 2019 contract hammered out. Time's running out, yes. so when I see the wall management on Christmas Eve, I will be sure to mention it to them and uh, get them going on that. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure it's you know it's, you know before their nap or before their nap. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. We well after cake. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're focused. Yeah, right after cake. Right. <laughs> All right. We will see you in 2019, everybody. Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? Look no further. Blast off with Johnny Rocket is a Seattle-based podcast expressing viewpoints of free markets, voluntary exchange, Badass music, wicked banner, and of course, drinking. The Blast Off doesn't shy from the truth, but always brings the party. Let's rock and roll, Raylene. Bring it on, Johnny. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Again, that's thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff.
Launchpad Media. Always launching ideas in your direction.